now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, PJ Kennard and Adam Dellinger. I always feel... I feel like starting the show is always awkward. Because it's got its intro. When it's time to start the show, I want to say what Malcolm has already said. Every time. Hey, welcome back, by the way. No, thanks. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you, it just it got me. The thing you were complaining about just got me. Yeah, no, that's, that is all good. Uh, yeah, so uh, last week did the show solo, and it did feel a little weird. Well, we don't have to worry about that today. Yeah, not today. We might touch on a couple things that we hit on last week, If because uh, last week was uh, dubbed the uh, uh, news bonanza, I think is what I had called it. And, uh, and so uh, if you missed some of that, uh, go back to last week's episode. Uh, this week, lots of stuff has happened. Sure. And so we're going to cover off on that. Let's start with Batman this week, and then we'll kind of parlay into something we, we would have done last week. Uh, you had texted me this week and said, what was the text that you sent me? Do you remember? Army Hammer is Batman. Army Hammer is Batman. Right. Because that's what the internets were saying. Preliminary reports. Yes. But, but at two weeks ago, top five, was that the... Was that the Power Five? Or uh, no, we just did a list of actors yeah, we that we just, thought could play Batman. Because the news had broke that Ben Affleck was out and that Matt Reeves was doing the Batman. It was going to be the greatest detective type story. And then we were just saying, who should be the new Batman? And then you hadn't looked up on any lists. I had researched it a little bit. And one of your dudes was Army Hammer. Because he looked the part. Yeah, and I think I said that too. Absolutely. Literally because he looks the part. You have the major problem with Army Hammer. Just because. The I'm, San Antonio native because Lone Ranger was so Lone bad. Lone Ranger is atrocious. And then the movie he's in with Henry Cavill. And I can never remember the name of that movie because I didn't finish it because it's so bad. Right. Where they're like spies. It's terrible. So that is, I know he's a great, he has to be a great actor. Uh, Does he? Well, because of that. He's call, a modern day Vanderbilt. Well, call me by your name. He got a lot of accolades for or whatever that movie was called. And so, like, I know people appreciate him as an actor, where, unfortunately, the things that I've seen him in, I'm like, meh, all right. But he was on your list, and right. then I, I told you he was the top of everyone's list. So I find uh, a news article that comes out earlier in the week, and it mm-hmm. says that Army Hammer slated to be the next Batman. Yeah. Now, in final talks or something like that. Right, like they're, they're signing the dotted line, it's over, there's millions of dollars attached to this. We move a little farther on in the week, and Army Hammer's basically come out now and said that I'm not Batman. Yeah. At least nobody that makes the decisions has asked me to play the part. Yeah, he's because yeah, he's doing some pub overseas right now for one of his movies, and one of the people, you know, in these little junkets, you know, asked him, hey, saw that you're in Final Talks for Batman. He's like, hey, no, like, look, I would be honored. I would love to do this, but not no one has contacted me to see if I'm available or if I'm interested. Because so uh, uh, maybe that means Matt Reeves might do that at that point then and, and, and contact him. So I, I will be okay if he is Batman. What if this is Hollywood smoke and mirrors? I don't think we need it, though, because uh, there's nothing secret about it. You know, like, let's say if with this Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie, Let's say they never said anything about, we just know a new Joker movie's coming out. We're going to assume that it is Jared Leto. And then, like, right before it's going to happen, we find out, oh, it's a totally different thing. It's Joaquin Phoenix. They kept that under wraps. What a surprise. Ooh, this is Batman. 
Like, we know the premise of the movie from the standpoint of it'll be a noir flick for Batman. We know it's Greatest Detective. And we know there will be a couple of, like, a, a, a rogues gallery of villains in it. So we know that part. We also knew the plot of the Nicolas Cage Superman movie. Now, you're telling me that we know a plot of a movie in which the actor playing that particular part for a story that's already been written hasn't been cast yet. Because that seems asinine to me. I mean, well, that's, I mean, the, the script is almost always done and everything done no, before, no, 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 before no. they pick. I understand that. Yeah. But that, they have to have a short list of people. I think they do. Do you think Army Hammer's on it? I think if he wasn't, I think he is now. Who leaks that story? That he's at the top of the thing? No, that he is Batman. Who leaks that story and what's the purpose? I Well, for clicks. Anybody does it. Because, unfortunately, we live in a time today that I could get on right now on the internets, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever, and say, hey, did you see blah, blah, blah? Completely fake. Uh, what if, What if? because we, we heard this week that M- the MCU is starting to cast ideas for X-Men and right. go ahead and starting to do that. And if I popped on, let's say I popped on the No Basement, uh, you know, Twitter or whatever it happened to be, and said, uh, breaking news, Scott Eastman is in final talks to be Wolverine. And that's all I have to put. Then what would happen if, if let's say, if I was a trendsetter, now Scott Eastman is thrown to the very front of everything. Scott Eastman's going to be Wolverine because it makes sense. Looks like he'd be a good Wolverine. Uh, he could be one. Heck, Kevin Smith, when he did, he was doing his podcast, he talked about Tom Cruise. If he became Wolverine, it's a billion-dollar movie. Now everyone's like, oh, maybe Tom Cruise should be Wolverine, just because he said it one time. Now, I understand journalistic integrity. In Doesn't the, exist anymore. You say that, but I, if we would have done the podcast that day, several, several news outlets reported that Army Hammer, mm-hmm. it's a done deal for Batman. He yeah. hasn't signed the paper yet, but this is this is your next Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And I saw that from, well, what you're saying, there are no credible sources, but I saw it reported wildly everywhere. Yeah. Now, to say that nobody would have done any background research at all. No. I don't, I don't think they're diving deep. I think, like, I've, I grew up wanting to learn more. Like, when I see something, I'm going to go, I mean, because we haven't really talked about this, but my main job in real life, I mean, you know this, of course, Adam, but this is for the listener. I'm a TV news anchor, so I do the news every day. And so I get, you know, the story sent to me, what we're doing for the news, and then I go and I, if I'm not satisfied with what's in that story, I go find another version of that story and just see what lines up. But that's in me to do that. There are plenty of other news anchors that won't ever do any of that. Zero research. They just go, they read the teleprompter, and then they are done with their day. It's just not in me to do that. I'm, I'm a doubter first. And then, uh, you know, so then I'll go check those, check those facts. Right, so the fact that you do that just lends itself to my point in that somebody has to have done some kind of... In, anyways, yeah. the point of this is I believe Army Hammer is Batman. Yeah. And I believe there is some reason that they are trying to keep that under wraps. I don't know why that is, but yeah. I do think that's a thing. Could be. I mean, because, you know, uh, the MCU for, for the Marvel side of it is Secrecy City. I mean, they cover, they hide as much as they can for as long as they can. And it, I mean, to be the new Batman and, and in a time where it's cool to be Batman, like really like look, I mean, not that Christian Bale wasn't doing much before Batman, but like, man, did that put him, pushed him forward. 
Oh, also like uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt, once he was Star-Lord, that, that catapulted his career. He should thank everything he has right now to that one role. Because if it wasn't for that, he'd be in a, a sitcom being some dumpy, dumb character. Which he was. Uh, yeah, and it was good at. I think apples and oranges, though. Like, do you have that weird feeling that the Christopher Nolan trilogy aren't really DC movies? Yes. Isn't that a weird thing? Yeah. Like, I don't view those as... They feel like real movies. Well, it's Christopher and, Nolan. Yeah, and it's not to slight the other films, but those three feel like real movies. It's a real movie that happens to have a Batman in it and a Joker in it and a Catwoman in it, you know? Well, think about the Joel Schumacher movies, right? Yeah. And that like span of time between, whatever, 94 and, let's say, 2000 or so, whatever, 97 yeah. or something. After those movies came out, all anybody ever said was, well, Tim Burton, I mean, it's the only dude that can make a Batman film. Yeah. Right? And yeah. he and he was going to do a third one. Yeah. You know, that he was working on, like, Edward Scissorhands or something. There was another movie that was a conflict, and then there was some kind of contract dispute or something. And so those movies were never going to be bested. Right. Right? And Tim Burton's never doing them again. Until Christopher Nolan, that's true. So Christopher Nolan comes in, and for some reason now we don't even view the Tim Burton movies the same way. Yeah, well, I think it's it's hard on those, I think, because we don't view the X-Men movie and, and those three, X and X2 and X3, as the same then. When, when X-Men came out, Halle Berry as Storm and, and James Marsden as Cyclops and Professor X with Sir Patrick Stewart, which we'll get to a little bit later on on him, like, it was amazing, amazing. And then if you go back and watch it now, it's like, okay, it's it's dated. It's pretty yeah, it's dated and it's pretty good and I feel like it's easier to see I don't know because if if comic book movies have moved so far forward with their plots and and I'm talking Marvel here and not DC when I talk about the stories that when you go back to see the storyline of some of the other ones there's a lot of holes in there or a lot of assumptions and a lot of jump forwards where it's like you know what we're just going to get to this point, audience is just going to assume how we got there and we're just going to keep moving to where we see a little bit more details today. All right, weird twist. Check this out. So I saw all those, I saw the three X-Men movies in theater. Okay. And yeah. I thought yeah. that they were perfect. Yeah. I remember seeing the first one. I think I was like 16. So I'm in high school when that movie comes out. And that was, uh, it kind of ran parallel with some other superhero movies too. Like we were getting ready to get Spider-Man. Like mm -hmm. we knew that was a thing. We yeah. were getting ready to get... Uh, I guess the Fantastic Four movies and stuff, and maybe the first Hulk movie was in there somewhere. Should be, and then you know, Spawn was a few right. years before that. Harry Potter. Yeah. Those X-Men movies, X-Men, X2, and X3, have a weird Harry Potter vibe. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where It's, it's magical. It's magical. The shots are big, yeah. like landscape. Like, yeah. you know, every time... Like, every shot has this sort of weird Harry Potter thing. I think that dates it. I Yeah, I'll give you that. I could see that. Like, it feels that way. Yeah. Like and, it, you know, funny enough, even the Harry Potter movies, if you go to the first couple of Harry Potter movies compared to the how Harry finished up, same thing. I mean, right. it took so much time to do all those movies. They just got it better every single time. The twist there is that it's the same cast, yeah, the, for, for the most part, throughout the duration of the Harry Potter series. And that X-Men, well, every superhero movie, there's this 
recast deal and the, the they sort of ignore the story sometimes i guess that's yeah. what you were saying with the plot holes yeah like, and, uh, and even now we're about to do dark phoenix again it's already been done they tease it in x2 and then in x3 uh gene gray is phoenix but they didn't do a very it's dark phoenix they didn't do a very good job with that and it's got a terrible ending to that movie and then now the X-Men movie that we get this year with the new cast, this, uh, the chick from um, Game of Thrones oh, yeah. and Ready Player One Cyclops and James McAvoy, that cast of X-Men, they're doing Dark Phoenix again. Do you, maybe this will be done right. Well, do you think this is part of the deal also? Like, So the Batman movie comes out in 89 or whenever that was, the first Tim Burton mm-hmm, movie. Yeah. In no way, shape, or form did that cause a superhero movie movement. Right. Like, we didn't get anything else. Dark Man doesn't count, you know? It doesn't. <laughs> Not with Liam Neeson. Yeah. I think he's out now. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Batman Returns doesn't start a superhero movie movement. Neither do the next couple of Batman films either. As they should not have. No, and that's yeah. 100% accurate. Well, are they taking a play out of the, the Star Wars playbook here? Where, since those movies were one-off storylines, if you will, they yeah. can pick and choose now what is canon and what isn't. Because it doesn't follow any anything, right? Maybe so, and and I wish that they would come up with an original movie, because then it makes it exciting for you and it makes it exciting for me if you're a fan. Like for like uh, right now, I'm watching The Umbrella Academy because it just came out on Netflix. I'm five episodes in. I know absolutely nothing about The Umbrella Academy. Unfortunately, I had a question and I hopped online and I saw something that I wish I didn't see. Oh, it ruins you. It, well, it, it just told me something that, that's going to be happening here in a little bit. You got a spoiler. And, yeah, and, and, I, and I was looking for something kind of benign, and unfortunately in it, it just kind of threw something in my face. I'm going, oh, that's too bad. But watching this, and even my daughter happened to get home from, from school the other day, and she's like, you know, I'd seen a thing for this. It looked like it was going to be dumb, uh, but she ended up kind of telling me this after standing there watching this for 15 minutes and me going, this is really good. I've heard. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But the beauty of it is I don't know anything about it. That's the power of the Watchmen. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. You're getting something fresh. You're getting a fresh set of characters. You're getting a story that has never been told before. You know, you're getting the deal with, uh, you know, an alternate universe and a movie with superheroes. Well, the but here's the problem with Watchmen, though. If you saw the Watchmen movie and you you read the comic or the graphic novel, yeah. you knew every scene of that movie. So you just got to see it. So you're saying a screenplay that's written apart from any source material. Yes, 100%. Because if I'm, if I'm a fan of the Umbrella Academy comics, and I know there's some differences apparently, because I've seen some, like here's the difference between the TV show and, and the comics. Uh, you would watch it and you would, you would anticipate certain things and those things will come to fruition. But how how awesome would it be to be a X-Men fan, as I am, it's the first comic I ever bought, and I love those, and I love the Chris Claremont stuff, but go in there and just give me something fresh and new, even if it's with a villain that we know and love. That's fantastic. You know, of, of the Age of Apocalypse story, uh, they just did a crappy, or not Age of Apocalypse, just the Apocalypse one that they just did, uh, was just a crappy story. Like, it really was just poorly done. I love Oscar uh, Isaac. Uh, he could have been a very cool apocalypse, but just they didn't get a lot of things right with that movie, and they could have gotten so many things right with that if they stuck to how the how the gosh darn uh, like real version of the story went in the comic. 
that maybe they did try to go fresh and new and they just blew it. But just give me something that's going to surprise not only people who don't know this stuff, but let us surprise the people who do. And Christopher Nolan did that. Well, you're talking about something, too, that's extremely difficult to do. Now, you just called the, the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy real films. Yeah. Because, well, they are. Yeah. You know, you get Gary Oldman and you get Christian Bale, and it's a, there's a whole thing there, right? Like yeah. it feels, uh, well, like a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. What you want is what they're trying to do, but the problem is, is that they've got to appeal to so many people. Yeah. Because they have to make it appealing to children, right? Yeah. They have to make it appealing to their parents. Mm-hmm. They have to make it appealing to both of those subsets of people that have read the source material, and they also have to make it appealing to people that have Lowest never seen denominator. it. Right. Would you count Guardians of the Galaxy as one of those movies that didn't rely on a strict set of source material? Heck, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't know if they did. Exactly. Because the, those characters are so, not that they're so obscure, but like, like I didn't collect Guardians of the Galaxy before that. And even if you did, there's been so many incarnations of Guardians of the Galaxy. that well, Right, what's what? Who are they going to pull from? What are they going to do? And it did feel fresh and it did feel new. That's that, Umbrella Academy. I think yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy is the Marvel movie that you're talking about. Yeah. But you would like to see something done that was just branded as X-Men. Yeah, I really would. And, and you know, maybe they've kind of, you know, uh, the when they did X-Men First Class, they take pieces and parts of things because you've got like what essentially is the Hellfire Club and they still make it. I don't I don't know. I feel maybe because we're too inside on it. I feel like they just missed the mark on a few things when it comes to when they're designing these movies, because you've got Sebastian Shaw. Uh, or if if that was Kevin Bacon's character for that movie, and he wants to take over, you know, the world, and how all that plays out is, it's just, I don't know, it it feels movie-ish. I do this with song lyrics. Yeah. I think what you're doing is you're being a little too difficult right now. I think I am. Because what a particular panel from the comic book that you read, and how they sound to you, and how that character is developed, Part of that lies between the panels, yeah. right? Yeah. So how does this one progress to the next? I've created these characters, and this is what they're supposed to be. Yeah. And when you go into these movies that Marvel's doing right now, I don't think they intend for you to do that. Yeah. Now, the problem is that the DC people are more like you than they are the general public. Yeah. So that we've talked about this before, too. It's why I'm so hard on Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. Like, that's not what I was looking for. I, you know what I wanted? I wanted Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. I, I think everybody wanted Dark Knight Returns. Well, you're not going to get the version of Dark Knight Returns the way that it spoke to you when you read the comic 25 or years ago or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. So you got to be a little more open than and, that. And I am, because, I, but I do think that that Marvel does it so much better than than DC does by leaps and bounds, even with even with Aquaman, because you know Avengers Endgame, I think is the like the best comic book movie of all time. I love that movie. You don't even leave that movie feeling great. You really don't. What's going to be great about it is when you get it on DVD or you get to stream it with uh, Endgame. No, what's the first one? Uh, Infinity. So the 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 first Avengers Infinity War. War yeah, greatest one. Well, when both of them come out and you get to spend six hours of your life 
watching the first one into the second one and the feeling you're going to get at the end of the second one will make the greatest two-movie combination, I think, ever. And that's the Star Wars thing. That's that George Lucas thing, Yeah, is that it leaves you here, and you get up and you leave the theater, and it's like, well, that just sucks. Well, especially for Rogue One. Yeah. I left Rogue One going, like, I've never watched that movie again, and I'm, I never plan on watching it Rogue again. Rogue One forwarded the story in a way that they have never done before. They took a one-off that people went into, and if you've never seen any of the other films before, or maybe you've seen them and you just like a bunch of flashing lights and stuff and yeah. didn't pay attention to the story, yeah. Rogue One was just a straight shoot 'em up But yeah. the way that it forwarded the story was just incredible. The problem I have with it, though, it could have had the same impact of an ending. Like we know, of course, according to Star Wars, uh, the, the, you know, the very first one, A New Hope, that to get these plans, too much was lost. It was a Pyrrhic victory, right? But that Pyrrhic victory doesn't have to mean that every single person involved had to die. It could be hundreds of people died. Some main characters could have died. In the end of Rogue One, why couldn't you have had the two main characters there find a ship or have a ship come down and rescue them and have them take off, and two people live. Funny that you think that way, though, but you don't have that same feeling when Darth Vader rolls up in the Death Star and points that laser beam at an entire planet. And I, don't just, know, I don't know those people. And just says, you're all done, yeah. but yeah. you're torn up about the ending that saw, yeah. I don't know, what, 200 people die? Yeah, I don't care about those people. <laughs> at least let one main character live. Right, like my man was wiping out planets. Yeah. They mean nothing to me. <laughs> I don't know them. You've I, been sucked into this great character development. Yeah. Okay. I, I, like, to tell me another movie where literally everyone you've cared about in the movie are dead at the end. And it's, that's the end. Congratulations. Hey, but we're going to introduce you to Princess Leia so you know where this the next movie's going to pick up. Reservoir Dogs? Not everyone died, though. Right? Well, I felt like in Rogue One there were some enemy types that were left out there running around. Yeah, no, I I feel like you let one one or two like they should have found something and gotten off at the last minute so you feel good about it, and then later on you can bring them into the movie again if you want. So you're another pra- movie. You're praising a movie, Avengers. Yeah, because it makes you feel lousy on the way out. Uh, no, I don't necessarily, I, but I for that one, I know what's going to be happening next. You know why? Because we know they're not killing Black Panther. We know they're not killing Spider-Man. We know they're not killing Doctor Strange. Everyone who's disappeared, you know they're coming back. And there's the excitement of how they're going to do it. All based on circumstantial evidence from actors speaking in uh, various contract scenarios that you've researched yeah. and everything like that. But you don't know what's going to happen. You... I, but I'm excited. But right. I, I know those people aren't dead. I'm assuming that they're in the soul world. You think that's a thing? I think so. I think, and I did see one neat thing that uh, one like Reddit theory was: what if everyone we thought died were the ones that didn't die, and the ones that died were the ones that didn't? So, the just essentially the other perspective, like they got sucked into another world that is just like ours, and now they're living life, let's say on Earth, and it's just you know two different scenarios here. You know, like one Captain America. Iron Man, all that, they're in this universe wondering where everyone went. And then the other groups in the same exact scenario wondering where the other group went. Doctor, not Doctor Strange, I feel like he knows everything. So but where like, is the other place? Uh, in the Soul Gym. So the Soul World is in the Soul Gym. 
but it's a world. The plot that you're writing right now is going to be bananas, and I don't think that's true. Yeah, unfathomable. It, it was for, neat. It was neat to think about. Right. You oh, know, you're like, okay. Sure. Yeah. It's just like oh, like you know, Peter Parker's going. I wonder where Tony Stark is. You gave me three seconds of, you know, wistfulness there. Yes. I enjoyed that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But so, I was utterly confused. Yes. Oh, it's a confusing thing. <laughs> but I, that that's why I don't mind the end of that movie because I know they're they're not dead. Rogue One, those dudes are dead. That planet. Spoiler alert. The planet blew up. It's over. The end. Dead. But if you would have saw like a little ship go zipping off, you would have been like, yes. And then it could have cut to black. They're safe. Black. Star Wars A New Hope begins. So what if the new X-Men movie is like super positive? Then are you into it regardless of if the story's been done before or not? If it's good, I would love it. I would love for it to be good. I, I totally would. Who's directing that? I don't know who did that one. But it's still, it's the cool thing is I like this cast. I think they've done a good job with it. I mean, James McAvoy as Professor X, spot on for a young Patrick Stewart. Uh, Beast, uh, that that guy's good. Uh, you got J-Law as Mystique. I think that uh, Magneto, which is, uh, why am I blanking on his name? He's married to uh, Alicia Vikander. Michael Fassbender. Yes. He's great as Magneto. I love all that stuff. The chick they've got, uh, the, the girl from Game of Thrones for uh, Jean Grey. All of it's good. The problem is we've already seen this movie before, and with the X-Men you could do so many things, and I want it to be good based upon the trailer that I've seen, and I don't want to write anything off because of that. It, I feel like it could look better. I don't know if that's fair, though, because you also said that the movie, when it was done the first time, wasn't very good. No, it was terrible. Right, so... But it also wasn't done right. So I, I'm completely open-minded to them doing it correctly. And it doesn't, I'm like, it wouldn't even take much to even make it correct. I would stand behind the original Tim Burton Batman yeah. with the Joker falling into the acid yeah. and the burnt face and all that. And he's trying to take over Gotham and he's manipulating the uh, political infrastructure there in, in the city. And Batman is mainly a dude at night and he's, you know, just chasing down Joker. Yeah. Checkmark. I would watch that movie done again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all right with that because Tim did a really great job with it. So if the movie's bad, you don't want to see it redone because to me that's all the more reason to do the movie again. No, I'm okay if it's bad. I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, no, if it's bad and it's redone again, I'm okay with. The problem I have with this one is you're talking about like a seminal kind of thing that goes through movies: good versus evil, bad guy versus good guy. You know how how it happens in there can be done a dozen. You're talking times. about the plot itself. I'm talking. This is the Dark Phoenix saga. That it's its own kind of thing. Like, you couldn't do this movie in another form. Batman, you can do it in another form. Call it Daredevil. Call it, uh, heck, just uh, a Bourne movie. You know, have Matt Damon running around as the hero, kicking ass and taking names, trying to take down uh, Treadstone, who's the Joker, you know? And that and that's sort of could be a similar style plot. You know, badassery, good versus evil, uh, kicking ass, taking names. But with this... It's its own thing. Like, you couldn't take Howard the Duck and make a Howard the Duck movie and then have that be something else somewhere else. Same with the Dark Phoenix. You could have Jeffrey Jones was involved. Who? <laughs> Jeffrey Jones. Jeffrey Jones is the principal in Ferris Bueller. Oh, that's right. He's the van guy. Jeffrey Jones Duck. is the father of uh, Lydia Dietz in Beetlejuice, that's and he's also the bad guy in Howard the Duck. That is uh, correct. Speaking of movies that are getting rebooted, uh, have you seen this Hellboy trailer? Have you seen all this stuff? Yeah, because funny enough, literally last night, my wife had not seen it. Coincidentally, Hellboy was on 
like FXX or something last That's night. That's about every Tuesday. Yes. And so it was on. And then I saw the trailer when it came out a while ago and realized, I don't think my wife has seen this. So I pulled it up for her and I was like, this is not, and I love me some David Harbour. I think he is uh, tons of fun. He's the new Hellboy. But when I saw this trailer the first time and then re-seeing it last night again with my wife, I don't feel like this is going to be a very good movie. All right. That's... Same problem I have with the Dark Phoenix thing that's about to come out. I've written, not a, I haven't written it off. I have a bad taste in my mouth based upon the trailer. The trailer's only shown us two minutes. I get it. I don't need to do that. I feel that way about Shazam, though. So it's... You know, it's fair, but I'll tell you this. You're not the only person that had that reaction. So have you read what David Harbour said? No, huh? All right. So yesterday he comes out uh, with a statement saying, for critics of the trailer, he is not looking to replicate the Ron Perlman character. That's fine. All right. He's trying to do his own thing, and I appreciate that, too. Can I do a music tie-in here? Yeah, sure. Adam Lambert has been on tour with Queen, Yep. who are... Next to their resurgence after Wayne's World at an all-time high because yeah. of another film, sure, right? Bohemian Rhapsody. So Adam Lambert made his way uh, on American Idol there doing Freddie Mercury-type stuff. Yeah. Okay? So uh, I do a radio show. We were talking yeah. about our day jobs. Yeah. The guy that I do the radio show with each morning had never heard Adam Lambert sing with Queen. Okay. So I pulled up a recent performance. I don't want to go back and look at something when he first got the gig after sure. Idol and everything. Well, Adam Lambert, well, he, he, I guess he has his own, uh, he calls it a career, but he has his own thing that he does okay. now and All where right. he releases records. Sure. So he doesn't. The tree falls in the woods. And... But Yeah, but check this out. He doesn't do, the, exactly, yeah. he doesn't do the Freddie Mercury impersonation anymore yeah. because he's Adam Lambert. Right. So he's just singing the songs, but he doesn't sound like Freddie Mercury anymore. Right. Now, the rest of the band still sounds like Queen, which is the only saving grace. Right. But it sounds like Queen karaoke, yeah. albeit very good. Yeah. Ron Perlman drilled Hellboy. He really did. And I felt like he drilled it to a point. He is Hellboy. Right. You can't just not pay some kind of homage to that. Like, I feel like whoever's cast in the next Batman movie is going to have some kind of growly voice. That's going to be a thing. Well, well, so uh, I, I feel you on that, but um, Christian Bale, I feel like there's. I, have you ever seen the Batman uh, parodies yeah. on YouTube oh, yeah. with uh, Pete Holmes? Yeah, and there's one how Batman figures out his voice, and I love that one because he goes through all these other ones, you know, like funny voice, whatever, and, then, and eventually his voice is so hoarse that it's like I'm gonna kill you. Right? He goes, "Ooh, that was a good one. That one was scary." Well, you like this one? And then, because that's what Christian did. But then when you had Ben Affleck, he didn't have to do that. They used the processor. Right. And so he got to talk like himself, and then a, a machine made it sound different. But the point is, is that they did something in the movie True. to make him similar yeah. to Christian Bale, who we already covered earlier in the podcast, yeah. as being the star of the best Batman movies. Yeah. Now, David Harbour is a great actor. He is. But this impersonation of Ron Perlman doesn't need to be viewed that way. He's not doing an impersonation of Ron Perlman. He's not even doing an impersonation of Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Yeah. He is doing an impersonation of Hellboy. Yes. That is his job. That is a good point. And honestly, it's what ruins the trailer. Yeah. It's David Harbour. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have a problem looking exactly like Ron Perlman with long hair. Well, that's the character. That is the character of Hellboy. I will tell you, I have a problem with the contacts. Uh, cause he, he's got like demon eyes, yeah. like, but it, to me it is, 
1980s demonized. You know what he looks like to me? Uh, the the bad guy at the end of Lost Boys. Okay. <laughs> uh, when you want, he goes, you know, you've killed my boys, I will take yours, and like I just that's the flash that I get of a, of a 1980s horror flick with some contacts in your eyes that look like that. Michael Jackson at the end of Thriller. Yes, absolutely. That whole thing. And yeah. I'll give you another one, too. You ever seen Silver Bullet? Oh, yeah. yeah Stephen uh, King? Corey, Corey Feldman. Not Corey Feldman. Corey Haim. When the preacher, they discover the preacher is the werewolf, he's got the same eyes. Mm-hmm. And they're doing that 80s thing that you're talking yeah, about. And in today's time, it should never really look like that. And I get they're trying to make Hellboy look a little scarier, and that was part of it. But I feel like they're also trying to make Hellboy funnier. And I don't feel like those two things go together. If you mm-hmm. want to make him scarier, make Hellboy darker. Otherwise, be pretty much on point with what Ron Perlman looked like and then make it funnier if you want to. If you make Hellboy a dark, uh, serious character, doesn't he just become Spawn? Spawn's about as dark as it gets, though. <laughs> but you're going kind of in the same direction. Yeah. And, hey, please refresh me also as to why Ron Perlman can't be Hellboy anymore. Reboot. That's, I think that's all. I think that's it. I mean, maybe Ron said he didn't want to do it. I don't know, but I think it's just a reboot uh, because this is not Guillermo del Toro, unless Guillermo may, might have a little producing credit on it. I don't know. I haven't researched it that much, but I, I, I took it when it happened as just a reboot. It's not the third in the series. This is just a, a relaunch because you got a brand new doctor or, or father, uh, which, uh, and I don't know the actor who did it originally, played it perfectly because the, the VO for the movie like when you hear this guy talking and then when you see him really fit and then now we've got Ian McShane also sounds great so that's your new version of that that's Hellboy's dad but why do we have this thing in our heads where if we reboot a movie we're going to do some guesswork at picking the actor that can play the part the best when the actual actor that can play the part the best is just out there sitting at home. Because that's not a reboot then, and that is a form of a sequel. If you change the plot and you change the backstory, and it's been 10 or 12 years or however long it's been, it's still a reboot. You can put the same dude in the movie. Yeah, There are not a set of rules that... This is not like a SAG rule book thing. It's where, a Hollywood thing, because I, I, I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think it's ever happened at anything. Because, you know, they're, they're going to do a new Fantastic Four. If you love Yoan uh, McGruff, or Gruff, whatever his name is, Yoan Groove, well, I can't say his name, the guy who was Mr. Fantastic in the first one. If you loved him, you know, Jessica Alba is, is Invisible Woman and, and Michael Chiklis is the thing and, and uh, Chris is uh, the Human Torch, they're not going to recast him in the new Fantastic Four movie. Well, that's a little bit different too because you'd have to CGI him because that movie's got to be 20 years old at this point. Ron Perlman is in a completely makeup, prosthetic yeah. Yeah. head. Yeah. The look thing doesn't matter. It does in Fantastic Four. That's and if true. you start CGIing the faces and stuff, you've got Green Lantern. You don't want that. Yeah, that's true. But I understand your point. Uh, you know, they're going to go with a whole different thing. But Ron Perlman is Hellboy. I think so. Right? I don't know that Christian Bale is Batman. He's just the best that we've seen do it up to this time. Yeah. Now, you could make the same argument for Ron Perlman and Hellboy, too. But I've never really seen anybody complain about the Hellboy movies. No, no I mean, if, I think the expectations weren't very high for him either. Well, you're, well, you're going to complain about Superman because it's Superman. You're not going to heck. You're not going to complain about the Umbrella Academy because 
we don't know. We don't have a lot of expectations. For that's the Watchmen too. Like yeah. for people that read comic books, the Watchmen and that thing had it was going to get a movie five times over yeah, the no course kidding. of twenty five years or something, and it never happened. So there's like this subgroup of people that have high expectations for what the Watchmen was going to be. But average Joe that likes watching movies about superheroes, no expectations whatsoever. Yeah. Now we have expectations for Hellboy. Yeah. You know why? Because Beca- of the first movies. Because of Ron Perlman. That's right. That's why. I feel you. Yeah, so I, I, of course I will go see it. Absolutely. I will go see you know Shazam when it comes out, which and I had mentioned last week on the cast that I saw a behind-the-scenes thing with Shazam where it was uh, Zachary Levi and the cast doing these little interviews and then talking about the movie, and then they would show us like a little clip of the movie that kind of tied into what they were saying. And what they were showing kind of brought me closer to going, okay, this is this might be pretty decent. And so I, I'm I'm I've got a little uptick for my thoughts on that movie, which I'm looking forward to seeing it. Maybe they're doing the deal not to saw you off right there, but maybe they're doing the deal that what's the Marvel thing? Like they're only showing stuff in the trailer. That so yeah, for Mar- for Avengers Endgame. We will never see anything more than 20 minutes into the film. Right. So maybe DC's method is we're only going to show you the crap in the, in, <laughs> in so. the trailers. Yeah. If you thought this was slightly okay, <laughs> the rest of it is awesome. In a world where one man's <laughs> desire to see a good movie is shut down by DC, <laughs> the crappiest trailer ever happens now. Right. Maybe that's the thing. And then uh, speaking of recasting people... One dude who is going to be maybe the hardest claws to fill. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I made myself really laugh on how terrible that was. Uh, got an award this week. Uh, yes, yeah, sure. So Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart both received the Guinness World Record for the longest portrayal of a superhero. Yeah, continuous. Yeah. The longest continuous portrayal of a superhero. Hashtag anyone can get an award now. What are the stats? Uh, 16 years. Oh, there. yeah, there is actually, they have the time frame of how long that they have portrayed uh, these characters. Uh, they have done it for, at the time, uh, 16 years, 228 days, starting in X-Men in 2000 and then ending with Logan at uh, 2017. Now, this may change. Because I had mentioned that Sir Patrick Stewart is getting the raw end of the stick here. Because every headline is, Hugh Jackman gets Guinness record. And then, oh yeah, and Patrick Stewart. It's for the younger crowd, uh, I think. Well, it's funny is, you know, Patrick Stewart's not that much older than than Hugh Jackman. Well, in real life. But (laughs) they they market the Wolverine movies and the Logan and stuff to, you know, you can watch this if you're 12, watch him blow up army tanks and do all that. And unfortunately, Sir Patrick Stewart spends the better part of the film uh, in a wheelchair, yeah. just doing mind tricks. True. So yeah. not quite as exciting. Yeah, I give you that. But here's why I think it changes. I think Ryan Reynolds will somehow talk Hugh Jackman into something for a Deadpool, Wolverine, whatever. Because you know X-Force is the next Deadpool movie. We're not getting Deadpool 3 before we're getting X-Force. X-Force will be Deadpool. It'll be Cable. It'll be Domino and whoever else they decide to work into that. I feel like in some capacity, Hugh Jackman shows up in that movie as Wolverine, further making that his own record. And that's not, of course, why he would do it. But I think it's going to happen. So, check this out. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. So, in sports, 
there are all these great milestones. Mm-hmm. Whether if you're a pitcher, a starting pitcher in baseball, that number used to be 300 wins. Okay, yeah. Uh, can you hit 500 home runs? And basketball, it's points scored. Okay, so we like to play this game in the media now, the sports media, where they're like, who's the next guy to throw and win 300 games gotcha. as yeah. a pitcher? Yeah. Who's the next person to come anywhere close to this many years and this much time as playing one continuous character? Uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man. Robert Downey Jr. He's 10 years in. He's got to go six more years. And that's pretty easy considering... Let's say eight or nine in case the Deadpool thing were to happen. Yeah. Uh, So I think they don't kill off Tony in the Avengers Endgame because I think they kill off Captain America. And I think that's fine because you've got Bucky who can replace Captain America. Right. No one replaces Tony Stark. Mm -mm. And he doesn't have to... They might not make any more Iron Man movies... But they would at least have cameos with Robert Downey Jr. doing stuff. So I think Robert Downey Jr. would be that. It's not going to be Chris Hemsworth. It's not going to be Mark Ruffalo. I mean, it could be, you know, Chris Evans if they don't kill him off. Because one rumor is that since it's a time travel movie, they leave Captain America back in time where he gets to live out his days with uh, Peggy and gets to, you know, Agent Carter and gets to have a happy ending. That's one. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think it'll be Tony Stark Iron Man if they do it. No, nope, I don't think there's anybody else besides that. If, if, if Robert dies, no one touches Wolverines. Oh, well, heck, except maybe Ryan Reynolds. He technically was Deadpool in the very first Wolverine movie. So you get to go all the way back to that one for him being Wade Wilson. Then you can, if he keeps making Deadpool movies, then he might take it. You know who ha- would have had a run at this? Ron Perlman. That's who. Think about that. To bring it back now, what if Ron Perlman is cast in this Hellboy movie? What kind of time are we working with? Recast into it? Yeah. Uh, well, then you t- two more years. Give me a long shot. Give me somebody that's playing a role for the first time that you could see making it that far. Uh, uh, Not a first time. Josh Brolin, Cable. Because if, oh, okay. because if the Deadpool stuff keeps doing what it's doing and they space those movies out, he could do it because he'll be an X-Force. I don't think they're going to do a cable movie, but I think he'll I think he'll always end up making cameos in some capacity if he doesn't want to get have, have to get super jacked for something because it takes a lot of work. And Josh mentioned it at his age. He's like, man, it's tough. But Ryan Reynolds is still young, still doing his thing. So Josh Brolin could do it. What about Samuel L. Jackson? Oh, you know what? That is a good call because he was there from the get-go right. for he has a cameo in in, in Iron Man. Yep. So he would have it as long as Robert Downey Jr. So you, if, if they kill off Robert or not, he and Sam will be tied. That's a good one. That's a good call. Okay. Uh, then you also have Loki if you want. Yeah, Loki too. Would... He did die in The Last Avengers. No, he didn't. Or did he? he Loki doesn't die. He does not die. And uh, when he's battling people with his illusions, he's always left-handed. When Thanos kills him, he's using his left hand. So I think that. Uh, now, I would love to see Hugh Jackman continue as uh, the Wolverine, uh, but I, uh, of course he's not. He already says he's hanging up the claws. I know who I want to do it, because I, I saw an article that the that Marvel is already looking to cast the X-Men. They should also be looking to cast the Fantastic Four, too, uh, as they now will have the rights to make these movies themselves. And as they're recasting... I don't think it matters who they put anywhere else besides who they put into the role of Wolverine. 
I want a dude that just that will never happen, which is Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is Wolverine is to me the best absolute choice. I know Kevin Smith that Tom Cruise could do it. It would be ginormous. I just don't buy Tom Cruise as as Wolverine. Could he do it? Sure. Would it be amazing? Probably not. But Tom Hardy's Wolverine? Whew. Did you ever think that Logan was like five foot six and like a hundred and forty eight pounds? Because Kevin Smith said that Tom Cruise's Wolverine could gross a billion dollars. Yeah, he did say that. And I just don't see that. That's not real. I don't think so. I don't think anybody goes to that movie. Now, even if Tom Hardy, if you put Tom Hardy in the Wolverine movie, Wolverine is not making a billion dollars no matter who you put in that role. If you're going to do a solo Wolverine movie because it's not Hugh Jackman now and it's not Logan. They with Logan, they made such a visceral spaghetti western movie that you just can't top it. And maybe Hugh Jackman knows that. Like you just did a career ending in such a good way. You stepped up to the plate you pointed to the left field fence, <laughs> and you swung, and you hit that ball, and you hit a grand slam to win the game. You now retire. It's done. That's what he did with Logan. He can still make the cameos, and he can still go back old school and be younger Wolverine and hang out with Deadpool, and that's fine because it's not a Wolverine movie. But I don't think anyone's making a billion dollars on on Wolverine right now. Tell me if this flaws, because you're the X-Men guy. Like That's your whole thing. What if you do a Wolverine movie, but it's an X-Men film, mm-hmm. but it's called Wolverine. That was a trick in the 90s. Yeah. Like you put out the video game, it's called Wolverine, but there's eight X-Men in the sure. game or whatever. Yeah. And Wolverine's just a feature character. Tom Cruise can't play this role, so, and neither can Tom Hardy. Yeah, because the reason why Tom can't do it because he is Venom. Right. And Venom ended up crushing the box office. Part of me wishes it was a failure because then they could cast him as Wolverine but it wasn't. I thought Venom was a failure. Uh, it wasn't financially, but that's neither. No, yeah, fi- yeah, financially it did fantastic. Right. They greenlit a second one. But my idea is the Wolverine film mm-hmm. that I've always wanted, and it's a mask Wolverine. So now you can open the door to more people, right? Well, the, you got the Logan side of it, though. You've got the the sideburns and... The, That's the Bruce Wayne and Batman thing, sure. Yeah, I yeah. get that. But I want the mask Wolverine. I want one, too. And they've only, uh, at the end of the Wolverine, the which, again, terrible plot, where the guy's trying to, you know, reverse... Ta- uh, uh, the, the, the Asian dude is going to take the Silver Samurai's in it, is going to take Wolverine's healing factor and put it into him, and so you can now die, my friend, and then he'll take over. Terrible plot there. At the very end, there is a bonus scene that didn't make it into the movie, but he's on a plane, and he's going to be flying back to America, and there's a package. He opens the package, and what is in there? His Wolverine suit. It's our only glimpse at what a mask potentially could look like, and it looked pretty neat or whatever, Uh, and I'm dying to see if someone can make that costume and make it look cool for a film. I want to see that movie... This movie can make a billion dollars. I want that brown, orange. The traditional one. Yeah, that like costume. The Todd, the, when Todd did it for Spider-Man. And, and exactly. Was in there, yeah. Not the yellow and blue. It's too cartoony. It's too corny. That To me, that's my favorite Wolverine, but yeah. not one that would translate to film. Right. Is that fair? Yeah. And you just, you just turn him into Rambo. 
You just make it where he destroys everything. And for him, that's the berserker rage. That's exactly right. That makes a billion dollars. That that actually could. And, and they're doing right now the return of Wolverine, and it just wrapped up this week. Issue number five of the miniseries just came out, and it answered some questions, but they kind of plot-holed it as well. It was just kind of an ambiguous, this is how he came back, but we kind of gave you some of the details, but not all of it. But throughout this five-issue storyline, he doesn't have all of his memories, but in his mind, he's going to almost like this prison, and inside of each cell is, a, is another version of Wolverine that we've had over the years. If it was Patch, which is Logan, where he's got an eye patch and he wears like this uh, like tuxedo. Uh, if it is um, the version of him from Age of Apocalypse, where Cyclops blasted off one of his hands, uh, and if it's the Weapon X version, and then one that they unleash a couple of times in it is the Berserker. The rage inside Wolverine, where when it becomes Berserker rage, which you referenced the video game from back in the day. You were unstoppable. That was one of the things. You would power up to that. Non-stop you, health regeneration, and you're just shred stuff. Yeah. So, and, and granted, they gave us a glimpse of it in Logan when he juices up, and he's running through the woods to go catch up with yep. X-23. He's doing that berserker. And he's rate. running like 100 miles an hour. And doing his stuff. Yeah. That's fine. And we've seen glimpses of it. So I think that would be cool. The problem, you know, though you could have a mask and all that, who do you put in there? I do think it's Scott Eastman. I think Scott Eastman uh, is short enough for the role. Because well, people people who've never seen this don't realize or read comics, Wolverine is like 5'7". Yeah, he's not a big dude. He's well, like 185. He's built like my dad. Yeah. He's wide. Is your dad Wolverine. You've never seen he could be, but... Uh, he's wide. Yeah. Like, he's not the Tom Cruise, Jeff Gordon-sized human being, right. where he looks like a jockey yeah. or something. He looks like a fullback. Yes, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Scott Eastman, I think, you know, he's not too terribly tall, but I think he's got the gruffness, and I think he's got sort of the attitude he could play. I think he'd be a solid candidate for it. But it's hard to think about who could play Wolverine. And if you thought Hugh Jackman, the guy you saw in Oklahoma, who is up on stage going, Oklahoma, where the play? Right. Like, that's going to be Wolverine? No thanks. So he at least took a person himself and put him into the complete opposite thing you'd ever expect. So with that, you could say anybody could be Wolverine if they're a decent actor. Well, I don't know, because let's hearken back to the initial part of the podcast when we were talking about those superhero movies of the 90s. Mm-hmm. When Hugh Jackman was cast, is that Fox? Yeah, Fox. So Fox and they're this big X-Men production, low expectations. Yeah. There's no superhero movie boom. Mm-hmm. And I don't, this information isn't in front of me, but I can guess that the budget for the film, even with inflation accounted for, is nowhere near the budgets of these superhero true. films now. Yeah. So they probably didn't have pick of their character. Yeah, that's that's true. You no can't, one even knew who right. Jackman. Yeah. You would certainly cast an A-list actor today as Wolverine or any of these named superheroes. But at the time you wouldn't have done that. Is there an A-lister you can put in there? Cuz I feel like a What's lot of What's the age range? Uh, let's say tw- 20s or 30s. 30s would probably be ideal. That makes it tough. Cuz I feel like the A-listers of today are 30s and 40s and 50s. 100% I don't, and and this is mean. I mean, I I recognize lots of people because I watch a, a crap ton of movies. I'm terrible with names, and I go, oh yeah, that guy would be pretty good. I that dude might be pretty good. Like, no, don't don't hit me in the head for this one. 
Zach Efron. In Baywatch, my man got jacked. Never saw that one. And he's not a very big dude. And he's playing Ted Bundy in, in the upcoming Ted Bundy movie. Yeah, he looks great in that. And too. But granted, Ted Bundy it was this kind of suave sort of person that uh, people were attracted to. And that's why he was able to do what he did. But I do feel like Zac Efron could be a Wolverine. Why not? The size and muscular, you could do that sort of thing. He could have the attitude. Can you get past the pretty boy thing? You'd have to, because Hugh Jackman's a pretty my man's people's most uh, beautiful man, or whatever they what do they call that? Sexiest man. He was that. Every character that I'm thinking of in my head to play Wolverine is eliminated from the role because they're cast as something else. Yeah, that's the tough part too. So, give, who's cast other things that you think could be Wolverine? Uh, I think you can have. I'm not going to get boxed into that size thing and structure of the person. You can shoot around that. You blew that out of the water. Right. You have a choice of Hemsworths that could play that role. I think that... You know Liam Hemsworth? He's actually bigger than Chris. He's like 6'4". Right. (laughs) Be a giant Wolverine. It would be, but once again, you can shoot around all that stuff. Or you pick the oldest Hemsworth, Luke, who is the shortest of them. He's 5'11". I think Brad Pitt could have killed an old Wolverine. Yeah. Like, without a doubt, could have killed that. The cigarette-smoking defector of the X-Men, yeah. like, does what he wants kind of Tyler thing. Tyler Durden as in uh, glory, Wolverine. I was thinking Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Attitude. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think Ryan Reynolds could play Wolverine, without a doubt. you got to eliminate Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. you got to get that comedy thing out of your yeah. head. Because he's so funny, but he's a great actor. He, and he is, and I think people don't realize that he will do other roles where he's not being funny. Right. And well, he's probably, unfortunately, he's probably typecast himself now. Yeah. Well, he's made enough money that he he has done. He did a movie where he was a lawyer for this lady trying to get back a painting. Yep. And the lady was, like, a, like not Judy Dench, but one of... Somebody. Yeah, and like... An acclaimed yeah, starlet. it was yeah. a straight uh, drama role. I could see that. You know, even, like, uh, Chris Evans could probably be Wolverine. Uh, the guy who was in Altered Carbon, the, the Netflix show... He was in uh, Suicide Squad as the as Flag, Rick Flag. I think whatever the first name is. He was Enchantress's uh, boyfriend in that, and he led the Suicide Squad. That guy's kind of got that sort of gritty kind of thing. Can Wolverine be ripped? Like mus like 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 in- incredibly muscular. I mean, I think Wolverine is. I mean, I, just it, naturally occurring. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's you know Mark Wahlberg. Ooh, yeah, and he's got the size for it. And the attitude. Yeah. Gonna have to lose that accent, because that's a hindrance. Yeah. Hey, uh, X-Men, go get the uh, pock <laughs> right, the cat. Right. Bring the cat around. We're gonna hey, go. you don't want that clam chowder thing. Yeah, but he's he's had his accent uh, waved from that. But I don't know who where else you go diving into it. I'm sure there's a, a host of really great younger actors that you just don't jump to. And, and I think for us, too, maybe, I don't want to speak for you, but I've had sort of the fantasy of who would play these roles my whole life. And I've and I've grown up with this kind of set of actors. So when George Clooney was Batman, I'm like, yeah, it was terrible. Not George's fault. The movie was terrible. We've grown with them. Yeah, and so like to see George Clooney, to see John Hamm as Batman would be slick. Man, that would be so cool. John Hamm as Wolverine because he's played some bad dudes. Is he too good looking? No, I, you can't do that because yeah. they, they can make these people look rough. That's true. 
I've got one. All right. It's going to sound out there. Now, last time I brought this up, you shot this dude down okay. big time. Okay. Robert Pattinson. Okay. You know, no, I won't shoot that one down. The dude that played the wolf in the Twilight movies. He does oh, nothing oh, now. Taylor Lautner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't even have to pay him very much. Right. You oh. get him on the cheap. That yeah. way you get a decent Colossus, a Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. The budget's going to be big <laughs> enough. You know, and then... You know, that gets into other things, too. Like, who do you cast for the rest of this stuff around it? So if you're making a new X-Men movie, mm-hmm. is, let's take it from a chess perspective, is Wolverine the king? And and the, the, the person you're going to then build out around to protect this movie? Let me ask you another question. Because we can go ahead and put that theory down. Yeah. So Wolverine, is the, he's the alpha. Yeah. How many movies are we trying to make? Three. So we're doing a trilogy. At least, if it goes well, and maybe some solo films in there, too. We're pulling in Avengers here. Do we have plans to tie the X-Men movies into anything else going on in Marvel away from Avengers? Um, There would be crossover, because one of those X-Men movies will probably be X-Men versus Avengers. Okay, so this is the movie that I want. And for that movie, Wolverine is the alpha. Okay. Now, there is a Professor X. Sure. And he is... going to be Patrick Stewart. Well, he is... I don't think you... I think you just put Patrick Stewart in there. You're doing that thing you uh, just but, told me but, I couldn't do, but here, man. But here's the thing. He's still... He, he In the last X-Men universe, he was still that role. And they never killed him off? Well, they did. But that's in the future. Spoiler alert. But that that has never changed. No, I'm with you. I yeah. want Patrick Stewart. And, and the only reason James McAvoy's in there is because he's young Patrick Stewart. And and we're not saying that they have to recast everything once the MCU takes over the X-Men franchise. And, and they will now have it here in, in just a short time. They still get to keep all the pieces they want. They could still keep James McAvoy for young Professor X and recast some stuff. So I think I think in this scenario, Patrick Stewart can still be... Sometimes they don't do that, though, because Disney's proud. Disney, that, that Marvel thing, they've got an ego, and they want it to be theirs. And, like, I get that, some creative liberty and stuff like that, but I'm with you. I keep Professor X as yeah. Patrick Stewart. Um, Wolverine has a suit. We already covered that. Yep. Colossus needs to be metallic. Like in Deadpool? Yes. Or more shiny? More mirror-like? Yes. I thought he had more of a mirror finish from the comics. He looked like Destro's head from G.I. Joe to me whenever I read the comics. Yes. Like, you could definitely polish that dude up and see yourself in his elbow. Yeah. Uh, Colossus, I don't know how you cast all these characters, but the culmination needs to be a movie Mm -hmm. in which Wolverine is the king. He leads them on the field. Professor X is the Bobby Fischer, if we're doing the... Chess. Chess analogy yeah. thing. So he's always manipulating things and manipulating people's minds. Sure. And, and, and they're all pawns to him, kind of, but in a really good way. Yeah. I don't know how you really explain that. Though the comics have kind of made Professor X at times out to not be, well, maybe he wasn't as good as we thought he was, but now he's back. It's fine. I think that's what you do. There are Sentinels. They're at the behest of Magneto, and somehow Spider-Man's involved. <laughs> And Carnage is there, too, because I read those comics in the 90s, and that's what I'm after. Yeah, you just uh, had an acid trip movie right there.
It's not an acid trip movie. Because you, you're not getting the Spider-Man or Carnage or any of that stuff. You can do the Spider-Man and Wolverine thing. I don't understand why they won't do that. They don't like each other in the comics, but they'll work for a greater good. Yeah. but uh, so Seen that, it, we, just, we talked about Todd McFarlane earlier. Yeah. It's, uh, I, maybe down the road you could have some of that. But I think you need to have a legit X-Men movie with Wolverine at the center. Cyclops and Wolverine still have that dynamic. You put a good Cyclops in there. Yeah, you get it. Maybe you don't have a Jean Grey in this one. Just because I feel like we've seen the dynamic of Scott loves Jean and Jean loves Scott and Wolverine loves Jean and Jean loves Wolverine. That triangle for three movies. I don't want Jean Grey because she's Dr. Manhattan and it breaks the game. But she isn't if you just get regular Jean Grey. When you Dark Phoenix her up, then yes, you've got... They can't make Cosmic. they can't make a movie without Phoenix showing up. They they can't do it. it Marvel all... can, Fox cannot. Oh, because this will be out of four Jean Grey or five Jean Grey appearances, a Phoenix type thing will be in four of those. Four. So Marvel can write a well but enough Marvel, story. Marvel, I think, already has it done. I think they know what they're going to do when they do all that, and you do some sort of a cool plot, uh, you know. And unfortunately. As much as we want to see the Sentinels, I don't think we can do it because that harkens into what we've just saw with Days of Futures Past. Uh, Peter Dinklage was awesome in that. They thought it played a good character. Uh, we've seen that stuff. Who do we get as the villain? You don't do Magneto. I think you pull in like a Mr. Sinister and you pull in something that uh, that is really kind of comic booky, and you can do that. Or you could do, they try to do the Marauders a little bit with the Logan storyline, mm-hmm. uh, but you could almost do a rogue gallery like you would do for others and have a saber tooth. So Wolverine's that's what I was. Do we stay away from saber tooth or do we do that? Where because if Wolverine's the main guy, is that a subplot? Yeah, you can. I well, we've already gotten it. Yeah, but but eh, it was it was all right. Liev, Liev Schreiber uh, did fine with it, but it just again wasn't wasn't the cycle uh, the, the the saber tooth I'm used to. It was the cowardly lion on steroids, is what it was. It was like a bizarre. It was interesting, but, you know, in the first X-Men movie, we did have Sabretooth, and he looked ridiculous with his black eyes and, and all that stuff. Right. I wish we could have Magneto as the villain, uh, but I, I think at this point we don't. I like Magneto as the hero because he, he has led the X-Men. I'm okay with that version. But there's plenty of villains out there uh, that you could do the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants with a different leader if you wanted to. If you're going to revamp the whole thing, then, you know, that, that's a fine task. Because then you've got supers versus supers, and that's compelling. Because we haven't had that, really, in any of these movies. Mm-mm. You've had Thor versus other people in Asgard or whatever it happens to be. Iron Man versus Iron Monger. And then uh, the Mandarin, who wasn't the real Mandarin. That's a movie that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you do X-Men, that's, well, as I mentioned before, if you do X-Men versus Avengers, you get supers versus supers. In, in a way that you could have a real, not winner, but kind of. What if we get the, we rely on some of the more recent comic book source material and we get the X-Men divided by Professor X? Well, a- you got to establish the X-Men again, unfortunately. That can't, that can't be what you come swinging out with. No, 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 not what you swing out with, yeah. but maybe that's late Down in the, the second sure. film. I'm all right with that. There's so many possibilities. And now that the MCU is going to have it, I'm looking forward to the possibilities of what they're going to do. But I don't want to see, you know, to that point, I don't want to see Wolverine fight Cyclops. Like, I'm not interested in that. Like, I've seen a lot of this stuff already. Yeah. That's why I think you put a saber tooth in there and, and you and you find a good story. Or 
you do X-Men versus uh, Avengers and, and have a reason to make that happen and make it work. Uh, but is that going to be the same as Civil War where you've got characters you like versus characters you like and you know no one's going to kill anyone and no one's going to get really maimed, though Rhodey, you know, Rhodey's fine again. Guess what we get in that movie that you're talking about? Spider-Man and Wolverine going at it. Now back to the 90s. There you go. Boom. Congratulations. You have now achieved your movie. <laughs> the Power Five. I want to do Power Five this week with something that I was just sort of debating about with my son as to the five... We were, we were just talking about like the just the five greatest heroes, and that could be for any myriad of reasons. But I wanted to take that conversation I had with him and drill it into the five most influential comic book characters of, of all time. And I know that's broad, and they could be influential for numerous reasons. Uh, maybe they influence other characters. Maybe they've influenced pop culture. Maybe they've influenced how comics were done. And I'm curious to see who would make your list of that? And I, I have a feeling we'll have a couple that are similar because I think some characters are just, you know, they're seminal. Can't be left off. Yeah, yeah you're right. Let's do it. Who, who, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Well, I said let's do it, so you go. Okay. Number five for me, I feel like, needs to be Spider-Man. The reason being is it's not like anyone copied his stuff from a power perspective. I'm sure in some degree you could take some characters that are that are very similar. But I feel like you have... A character that is young, Superman, not young, Batman, not young. When it when it gets down to it, you get a high schooler, so you get a different perspective of the life outside of being a superhero, and then someone who embraces being the superhero and is fun as he does it. You've got humor tied into the action that's going on, and I think that was sort of a game changer because if you didn't have that and the way Spider-Man was written, you might not have the way other comics are written. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So I think Spider-Man would be number five on mine. Uh, Deadpool to me is number four. Well, the funny thing about Deadpool being influential is he is copied off of another character. Deadpool was made because of Deathstroke. Rob Liefeld made Deadpool to be the Marvel Deathstroke costume, assassin, all of that, but just different powers. But when Rob made Deadpool, it's not the character that's on my list right here. The Deadpool that that he morphed into, the Merc with a mouth, and like really broke the fourth wall and became a pop culture phenomenon in the comics that warranted Ryan Reynolds to even want to be him, even in a crappy capacity in the Wolverine movie, and then to turn him into what became Deadpool one and two, uh, is he he almost could maybe be higher up on this list because. More people, I think, support this character from a merchandising perspective outside of just wearing a Superman T-shirt uh, than most of these characters. So, Wolver- uh, so Deadpool's four. Wolverine is three. For the same reason we just talked about for the last 40 minutes on the fact that casting Wolverine will be a big deal. Hugh Jackman just got that award. He changed the way the attitude of heroes were and the fact that a hero could go out there and slice heads off if he needed to and arms and have berserker rage and be this anti-hero hero. So Wolverine's number three, okay. on, three on mine. Uh, you'll like this one. Might be on yours. Batman. Changing the game because my man's got no powers. He's a regular dude who's rich and the world's greatest detective. And that's, uh, I figure he's on yours. We'll let you talk about the same exact reasons. I don't. <laughs> well, there could be more. And then for me, he is the greatest hero of all time. 
he is the one that is the pinnacle. He is the character, no matter what comic book you know, company you are, you wish you had as your flagship character. And that is Aquaman. No, I'm just kidding. That is Superman. Man, I would have gave you so much love for putting Aquaman on the list because the comic book version of Aquaman that I grew up with is the one that I don't tell anybody I'm a fan of, right? It's like that one. Uh, Our lists are very similar. Now, the word influential means different things, I guess, to everybody. Absolutely. Some of your ideas were interesting, though. Uh, My list differs from yours in order, however. Batman is actually number five for me. And it's all the things that you said. Because during the Golden Age, the rise of Superman, of course, he was unstoppable. Mm -hmm. You know, like what? Oh, some Nazis over there? No problem. Sure. (laughs) Right? Like, I'll blast their faces off. Yeah, I've already killed them before you finish the sentence. I went over, killed them, and came back to hear the rest of your sentence. And all the Batman things that you mentioned, uh, no powers, and he's... He offsets that by being a billionaire and having all these gadgets and taking stuff, and he's the greatest detective ever. But another reason I put Batman on this list is because I've always noticed uh, with merchandising, in my lifetime, Batman has never needed a film or a television show to carry the fact that they'll still put his toys in stores. Oh, and his logo on T-shirts. Right, and that is just... He may be number one at that on the list, is that when he's irrelevant, he's still relevant. Yeah, I'll give you that. Like yeah. It's like a weird thing, right? Yeah. Uh, he's also dark, and he was the first character that actually was portrayed as a figure of darkness, right? Yeah, and, and almost the, the sullen hero. Right. Yeah. Spider-Man is number four for me. Okay. Spider-Man, we think of Spider-Man's like, when Spider-Man's greatest run? I mean, he's had three or four of them right through the comics, and yeah. he's had several movies, and he's had television shows and cartoons. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people realize that the Silver Age of comics, there's some crap in there. Yeah. Like, a lot of crap. And, like, the 60s was a time of metamorphosis in this country in particular, but I think across the world, Spider-Man was the first character to come along that resonated with kids again. Yeah. Does that make sense? Sure. So, like, I don't think seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds were probably buying comic books at the rate that they were in, say, 1940, yeah. you know, 1945 or whatever, but Spider-Man comes out and he's swinging web and he's bitten and it's radioactive, which mm-hmm. is a new thing, too. Yeah. So it resonates with kids again, and that's what powers the whole thing. Like, if you can make kids satisfied, then you can do merchandising because the parents have to buy it. Then it becomes such a part of your life that we can do films and all that. So Spider-Man was that guy. Number three for me was The Punisher. Oh, good call. I put The Punisher on this list. That's Amazing Spider-Man 129 first appearance, and he is the first character that made it violence a thing. Yeah. So I don't think you get the version of Wolverine. You don't get the version of Spawn that we know. You certainly don't get Deadpool without Punisher. Uh, hey, great call on that one. Uh, number two, I have a tie. Okay. And it's Wonder Woman and it's Jean Grey, who right. we spent a lot of time on. Yeah. Wonder Woman was the first female superhero to cook in a comic. <laughs> Jeez, guy. That the mainstream that's not it. That the mainstream public like, there was Model Molly and all these comic books that were out in the okay, 30s, yeah. and they painted women to be this way, not Wonder Woman. Right. Black Canary could have also been on this list, too, because she came in and it was nothing to be messed with, right? Yeah. And then Jean Grey took it to a level where the most powerful X-Men was a female. We'd never really, and that's debatable, too. We could argue that all no, day. I mean, but, you're pretty close if, if she's not the most powerful with so, the Phoenix Force, yeah. So, yeah, uh, 
who are all like Shazam and Superman and these creatures and and people that are considered to be undefeatable. Doctor Manhattan, we yeah. mentioned earlier, we'd never had a female one of those, and that was Jean Grey. Yeah, and Marvel's about to do it with Captain Marvel. I was going to say that, and Captain Marvel could go somewhere in there too. But I think that's important because, just frankly, as a dude, like I, I don't have the interest to play Tomb Raider uh, that I have to play, say, Uncharted. Yeah, and it's because I'm a dude. Yeah, it's more relatable. And when ninety nine percent of your source material is dude specific and targeted at young dudes, yeah, you just it it's just doesn't have that much mainstream appeal. And yeah. then number one, we share. Uh, or until Wonder Woman and Jean Grey. Number one, we share Superman, and then I put without him that the list doesn't even exist. It's true, and and you you could almost look at it as when they made Superman, did they make something that is too great? Because it's being a Superman fan that I am, I find that comic is and and Bendis is doing it now, and 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 the way Bendis is writing it, he, he's writing about other things. That aren't necessarily defeating Superman. Superman's having to figure stuff out. So right now, the writing in action and the, and the writing in Superman itself is more cerebral as these other things are happening. They're not happening to him specifically because that's the problem you have with Superman is how do you defeat him? If you don't have kryptonite, you don't have magic, you're kind of out And he's because he's so powerful and he is so great. And he might be more powerful than we even know because how many times have we read in a panel I usually hold back, but right now I'm not going to. And even then, he still kind of holds back. Every time. Or he's a little depowered when that happens. He's been in the Phantom Zone a little too long, right. and even his unleashing of it. So whatever. So did they make him too powerful? Like a Dr. Manhattan that can literally do anything. Anything. Can Dr. Manhattan be killed? I don't think he can. I don't either. Because the, the fact that you... You know, control time and space and matter and everything. Time is so relative to him. You could never, like, even, well, heck, he constructs himself. Well, so the whole plot of the movie is the fact that he knows everything that's yeah. going to happen for all time. Yeah. So in that case, no. And I also, we'll, we'll veer here for a second. I also feel like the same thing for, like, Barry Allen or, or Wally West or any of those guys. I don't feel like you should really ever be able to hurt the Flash. Because the moment, let's say you snuck up on him or you fired a rifle from two miles away and there's absolutely no way he could have heard it or seen it and the, until the bullet is hitting him, that bullet can never really hit him because the moment he feels it. Oh, he's doing the vibration or well, something. Not even, maybe he vibrates, but like if, if a bug bites me, first thing I do is let's say it's on my leg, I move my leg out of the way and I, and I swipe my hand down to get whatever that is to stop doing what it's doing. So the moment anything would touch the flash, oh, he's just out. He would just move, but he would move at a speed that that bullet stops exactly where it is because now time has stopped for him. But the rest of us, it's moving normal, and he would turn to look and see what that is. Oh, it's a bullet, and then it would never pierce his skin. A knife could never hit him. A punch could never touch him. Lightning could never do it. Nothing would ever surprise him because in the time it takes to surprise him, the moment freezes. And he's able to get out of that. Man, next podcast, I, I want to do this. I want to rank the powers and abilities of the Justice League. Okay. Because I've never thought of Flash that way before. Yeah. And and I think that could make him a greater hero. Here's what it does, though. And we'll get into, we'll, we'll absolutely write that down. We'll do it for the next podcast. 
it makes it harder to write that comic because now you really have to try. And I'm not saying there's not comic writers out there that aren't trying really hard. They're trying for what they're doing and, and, and the characters that they have. But if you want to do a really compelling Superman story, you got to really try because of how great he is. If you want to do something cool with The Flash, you got to really try because of how great and fast he really is. Heck, when uh, Romita was doing the Superman run a couple of years ago, they introduced the sunburst or whatever the hell that, the solar flare or whatever. Whenever he would do it, he would be powerless for 24 hours after that. You know what you've done? You have dumbed down your writing to make it easier to deal with Superman. You have now taken a shortcut to make your job easier of writing a compelling story for Superman. We have to make him more human so we can do that. No. You make your story superhuman, so we will enjoy that. And that's some of the writing right now. They've, uh, Bendis has found a way to do a plot that isn't directly trying to take out Superman because he's too strong or too fast or whatever, and everything else is happening around him. That's a smart way to do that. This is why I'm a Scott Snyder guy. Yeah, great writer. Because it is more difficult to write Batman than maybe any other comic that DC has yeah. with a developed character. And it's because everything should work to destroy Batman. True. Yeah. yeah. It's everything. The, it's the complete, I never it thought is. of that. It's the complete opposite. It's like negative Superman. Yeah. Right? It, it literally is the complete opposite. The dude has no powers and gadgets. Yeah. He's Inspector Gadget. Oh, he is. With no, well, I guess, is Robin Penny or is that Alfred? No. Uh, I guess Chief Quimby is probably Alfred. Oh, okay. And then Penny would be Robin. <laughs> and then I don't know who, uh, what's the, what was the dog's name? Gizmo or no, something? No, no. What was the dog's name? Oh, man. You got to take away our nerd card. Yeah, Google that real fast and see. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, they've been doing the crossovers with uh, the DC heroes. Yep. And like uh, the Looney Tunes. And they also did it with Scooby-Doo. That would be a fun one to see Inspector Gadget do it. Man, what is it? Brain. Brain? Yeah. Really? Yep. I guess so. The funny thing is, when I think of brain, I think of Pinky in the brain. So, but the point is that Snyder, uh, that's why he's such a great writer. Yeah. And he appeals to me a great deal because he doesn't take the easy way out. Yeah. But Batman has to win every time. So is that a shortcut too? No, because he doesn't always win. He's had his back broken by Bane. You know, he's had he's had things like the pitfalls that he has to kind of climb back up out and with the Bane story. Right, like, like with his back broken and then... Yeah, but Selena Kyle leaving him and not uh, not getting married in issue 50. And and every time, what happens? He rises and he conquers. Yeah. Every time. And that's okay, though, because that's why they're heroes. And that's the inspiration behind it. Because if not, you've got a four-issue run of something because Flash gave up. In issue four, uh, this superheroing kind of sucks. I'm just gonna go be a courier and be a billionaire because I'll get your I'll get your package there. Bef- you know, as soon as the ink before the ink is dry, I've delivered it. So believe me, Barry Allen could go make some cash if he wanted to, but he's gonna rise up as a superhero. So let's talk about that next time. Yep, we'll rank the Justice League mm-hmm. abilities and powers. And here's one for you: you think about. How do you write the Flash 
in a way that's compelling because yeah. it's difficult. It is. It's same for soups and same for Shazam. Like Shazam, they're swinging and missing like you would not believe. Issue three for Shazam comes out. So this week coming up, I'm curious to see if Shazam actually makes an appearance in it. Issue two, Shazam is not even in the comic. So we'll see if it happens coming up. So uh, thanks for listening. Uh, remember to, uh, you can get us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, subscribe, uh, rate us. We, we, and by rate us, I mean give us five stars. I'm asking for one. If that's the case, just don't do that. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Thanks for listening.